once verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Captains, you're listening to episode 274 of Priority One Podcast, your weekly report on all things Star Trek. Available for download or streaming on Monday, June 13th at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elijah. And I'm Kenna. All right, Kenna, let's jump right in. What do we have this week? Well, this week we trek out the casting issue that might have been. Star Trek crosses over into the blocky world of Minecraft, and we're also trekking out the latest addition to the writing staff on the new Star Trek small screen series. In Star Trek Online, we're beaming down to Ryza because the Lolanaut Festival is back, and we finally had an official release date for the latest expansion, Agents of Yesterday. Later, we visit the Promenade, where Jake promises to model the new Star Trek swimsuits that were just released. And as always, before we wrap up the show, we'll open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Of course, don't forget to keep the conversation going at facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast or on Twitter at Priority One Pod. You can also send us an email via incoming at Priority One Podcast.com. And if you're feeling frisky, we've got a way for you to leave us an actual voicemail for free. Just click on the Speak Pipe widget on our homepage. And finally, thanks again to all our Patreon supporters who make this show possible from week to week. Visit us at patreon.com forward slash priority one and find out about all the cool perks we have to offer. And hey, if a financial contribution isn't an option, there are other ways that you can help improve Priority One. For instance, we're looking for a team of bloggers to help report on all things Star Trek on PriorityOnePodcast.com. So if you're always in the know and your phone is buzzing with Star Trek news, then just join the team. Just visit PriorityOnePodcast.com and click on the red shirt Uncle Sam. Now let's check out some of the latest news in the world of Star Trek. Jump what places. I don't know. Then let's check it out. Perhaps one of my favorite portrayals from the new Star Trek movies was Carl Urban's portrayal of Dr. Leonard Bones McCoy. I think Urban really captured the essence of Bones' idiosyncrasies, expressions, and, and connections with the crew, the chemistry. Surprisingly, in an interview with IGN, he revealed that he almost didn't come back for Star Trek Beyond. <gasps> gasp! Le gasp! <laughs> in the interview, he explains, quote, I was on the fence about doing the movie until I spoke with Justin, because I had a conflicting schedule. I had a decision to make about which film to do, and I was no longer under contract to do a third picture, so I had a decision to make, and it was talking with Justin that enabled me to commit to it. I mean, he gets Star Trek, end quote. Seriously though, what the crap would they have done without Urban? I mean, would they have recast the role, or would they have introduced a new character and pulled a Beverly Pulaski situation or something? I don't know, I'm getting anxious just thinking about it. He was, he was like the linchpin of that chemistry with the crew. Well, yeah, he's like the, it's the, the tri, triumvirate, that's not the right word, but, you know, it's... Trinity. Yeah, it's Kirk, Spock, and Bones, man. Like, the, he, he needs to be there, that sort of dry, slightly grumpy, per, he need like, he's kind of key to the bridge crew of the Enterprise. I can't even imagine. They couldn't have recast it. Yeah, that would have just been really awkward. It would have been so weird, and it just it just wouldn't have worked. It would just it, it would have stuck out like a sore thumb in the whole film. You would have just been going, but that's not Bones. It would have just been weird. And they couldn't have pulled a Pulaski, because you'd be like, who's that guy? And you couldn't have just not had him there. That would, just, that would have just been... I, I'm seriously getting anxious just thinking about it. Because, I, I mean, overall, as a cast... They really portrayed that chemistry very well. Like they really, they, they got it. They got the chemistry. You know, story aside, as actors working together, it it felt like the Enterprise crew. It really did. They gelled. Yes, they gelled like the original cast. You know, they, very similarly, and they they just imbued the essence of the original uh, actors very well. But I, I I I always loved Urban's Bones the most. I think his attitude, his 
that that you know that brassy southern attitude was just it it just worked so well and and urban really portrayed it very well yeah but it's natural to him it doesn't feel like he's imitating an older character like Zachary Quinto, bless him, makes a great Spock, but he, he's doing an, imit- an imitation of Spock. A very faithful one, don't get me wrong, that's not to, to poo-poo what he does, but he's doing an imitation of Spock. Where And uh, Chris Pine is just, well, he's a, a bit of his own character, but Carl Urban plays Bones very faithfully, but also it, he owns it as well. It makes sense for him. I think he's done a great job with it. Yeah, my, my least favorite of everyone is Spock. He's my least favorite. Why? I, I don't think that. I don't think that he. He's acting Vulcan. He's not Vulcan, right? He's yeah, not, that's what I feel about it as well. You know, it's not like a Tim Russ Vulcan. It's not like any other. Actually, it's not like most Vulcans that I've seen on the on the TV series. You can tell that Zachary Quinto is acting Vulcan, but is not Vulcan. You know, it doesn't feel Vulcan. If yeah, if I had to rank it, I'd say I'd say it would be Carl Urban is the best. Then. Then I would actually say Chris Pine, then Scotty, and Scotty. But he's playing Scotty very over the top, which is still fine. It's fun because it works. In I the think film, it's though. the Scotty. Yeah, I think it's the Scotty that that we we could have seen. You know, then Uhura, and then the last two would be Sulu and and uh, and Chekhov. And I think that also has to do with the fact that you know even in the original series, it's not like they. They didn't get the spotlight very often. No, but I agree with you about Carl Urban. They they just couldn't have done the film without him. I, well, no, okay. Flipping it on its head, if you were a studio and you didn't have Carl Urban, you'd still make the film. They would make the film, and I think only because they were trying to push this out for the 50th. Maybe, though. If, if it wasn't for the 50th, they, uh, maybe they would have waited. Maybe they would have waited. I don't know. I the thing is, it could have it could have spelled spelled the the death of the series to do that. But a, a Star Trek film without bones would still make a profit because people uh, would go and see it. I guess I guess the new generation, yeah, the new generation of Trekkies who do not see bones in the way that we see bones would swallow that pill. But diehard Trekkies would not. Yeah, it w- they would have an uphill battle to to make more films after that if they if they didn't have bones. But they'd still make it, sadly. Well, that brings us to this week's community question. What character or actor from the films could they not make the next film without? Who do you think could be sacrificed? Let us know in the comments section for this episode at PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash PO274 or via Facebook or Twitter. Well, as many of our listeners will know, I am a gamer at heart. So when Elijah sent me the link to an article about a new Star Trek themed Minecraft server, I was on top of it. So here's the deal. Minetrek.net is a Minecraft server where Minecraft players from all over the world come together to rebuild models of the Enterprise and other iconic ships all in Minecraft. So just before we recorded this week's episode, I popped onto their server just to have a little wander around and I was really impressed with what I saw actually. Now, because of the limitations of Minecraft, uh, for those of you who don't play, every block represents one meter in the real world. Models are scaled up to about 20% larger than normal, and that's to allow for things like corridors to have sensible dimensions. But from what I've seen, they're aiming to have ships that you can actually move around in and are relatively true to scale. I didn't stay long enough to see whether they have working turbo lifts or how fast they move. That'll be interesting to see how they tackle those physics. Uh, But if you would like to go and check out the server for yourself, you can log on to it via Minecraft's multiplayer mode. The server is just Minetrek.net. They do advise that it's best to download one of their resource packs first, so you get the right texture packs. And of course, it will only work on PC and not console versions of the game. Additionally, if you are super keen, you can audition to become a builder and help make those ships come to life. And of course, if you do, don't forget to let us know. So you... Kenna are actually a, a, a Minecraft player, right? And your ki- and your kids are, yes. are into it too. Yes, all of us. So are you all? Are you going to now convince them or force them to play in this server for you? They haven't quite discovered the joys of Star Trek yet. <laughs> I- <gasps> what kind of a parent are you? We're working on it. Well, okay. Uh, I think even most Star Trek fans would understand that for a lot of younger children, because mine are five and ten the pace of a lot of star trek is a little slow for a younger audience how dare you Yay, no, no. listen we're working on it okay 
but yeah, I, I will definitely be spending some time. In fact, when we're finished here, I'm going to go back onto it because I want to go and just see just all the nitty gritties, whether I can, whether I can actually go in because you land in Starfleet Academy and it's extremely cool because you're like, it's Starfleet Academy in Minecraft. And if you go and you fly around, they've built classrooms. It looks like you can go and walk in and just, you know, live in these places. So I'm going to go and uh, check it out and have a little play around. I've never tried Minecraft. Have you not? No. It's the kind of thing that you probably won't understand the appeal of until you actually go in and try it. So you should go in and try it. It's very fun. Maybe. Maybe I'll do it with this Star Trek one. Can I do it with this Star Trek one and like still play the game? Or is it, is there, is it just building? Is that all you do? Yeah, so in the, um, basically one of the things you can do is... Uh, is as the multiplayer version of Minecraft, you can you can log into a server where multiple people can be on at the same time. And in this particular one, I think it's all in creative mode, so you won't be like battling zombies underneath the Enterprise or anything like that. But it's uh, in this mode, it's basically a, a building sandbox. So a little bit like a, like a Lego kind of thing. You go on and you can collaborate with other people to build things, and then they, they stay there, they stay on the server. The rest of the game, you can either, it depends on how you feel like playing it, you can either play it as a, you know, as an adventurer in survival mode where zombies can come and kill you, or you can just flick on creative mode and again, just play it on your local machine, uh, like Legos, basically. So, would a board cube just be one big gray box? Uh, no, I don't think it would be. Oh, that's interesting. I need to see if they're doing a board cube, because that would be amazing. No, th they're recreating it so that it's roughly... I think it's 1.2253 meters or something to 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 one, but it would uh, hard to explain. But it's uh, it would be to scale. So they'd build a ginormous cube with all the nooks and crannies. Theoretically, if they built a board cube, you could walk around all the corridors. Yeah, that's what they're aiming to do: is to reproduce these in real scale, so you can go and play on them. Back to the small screen, the writing staff for the new Star Trek series continues to grow with the addition of veteran Star Trek writer Joe Minoski, who wrote 56 Star Trek episodes between The Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, and Voyager. Some of his most memorable episodes, Darmok and Time's Arrow, generally considered to be like probably top, top 10 for TNG. They also introduced Aaron Kalit, who wrote for the television series Heroes. Now, hopefully he was on before the strike and not after the strike. Yeah, season one heroes would be great. Not sure. <laughs> Let's go for season one heroes. I'm interested to get into feedback because they keep adding these Star Trek veteran actors. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I the more they add them, the more concerned I am that it's going to be a very slow-paced, you know, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to to market to newer Treks that are used to seeing this, this JJ-verse. Uh, no, I think you're all right. With this new guy, Aaron Kalit, I think is how you pronounce his name. He's coming from a background that isn't Star Trek. And he's coming from a... But he's definitely the minority. Yes, but that's okay. I don't I don't have a problem with that. You, we'll end up with a mixture at the end. We've still got a ways to go. And remember, they're not going to be right. This is not... The whole team is not going to be writing the whole... Every single episode. Possibly. Well, we don't know. But I, we're all right. Relax, Elijah. It's going to be great. Okay, okay. It's going to be amazing. All right, well, now let's get Mark in on the discussion and find out what's been happening this week in Star Trek Online. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. Well, Captains, grab a Ryzean Mai Tai and kick back, because this week's Star Trek Online news is coming to you straight from the shores of Ryza. That's right, it's back. This past week we've been given a proverbial smorgasbord of information on this year's Rise of Summer event. If you've attended it before, not much has changed it seems. Dance parties, floaters, powerborgs, horgan hunts, the usual fun. There is however Quen, a Ferengi who you may have noticed before has set up camp asking for help with temporal anomalies. These are not associated with the resort though, just to get that bit of logistics in there. This does, however, link in with the rewards this year that seem to have a bit of a TOS theme in places. The whole time travel wibbly wobbly timey liveliness that's going on. We have our usual floaters, mini power boards, and they come with some new designs. A Solarian caracal pet. Cocktails. Yum. Kit modules and what's being described as vintage attire. A bit of a throwback. We have the Hawaiian shirts, the board shorts, swimwear, all very retro. Plus some pictures of the classic Riser costumes have gone up. 
but from what we've seen in game and the pictures, it's all a little bit of Fifty Shades to me, if you catch my drift. These can be purchased alongside entries from previous years by participating in the Low Hanok Festival and from the store tab of the events page. Yeah, about those uh, TOS bikinis. Uh, fair warning to anyone who looked at them and thought, hey, they look awesome. You can only get them in, they only come in grey. So they are a bit, well, it's four shades of grey. I was really disappointed because I had my favors saved up from last year and I spent my 750 favors on a brand new bikini that only comes in shades of silver. So I was a little disappointed because I really wanted to make it like shiny blue or something. They are super shiny and cool though. They're like, they're like mirror finish shiny. They're super shiny and kind of exciting. And you get the boots and the gloves and stuff, but you cannot make them colored. Which I'll admit, I was really surprised by when people started saying this. You think the amount of Space Barbie there is in this game? Yes, there's an argument for keeping it more traditional since it is TOS and with everything coming up for it, but the Space Barbie in this game is epic. Why not just let us color them whatever we want? Maybe they were trying to go for the original black and white broadcast thing that they had in the UK for a while. Mm. Did you know that the first several episodes of uh, Star Trek, the original series, were broadcast in black and white in the UK? Yep. Yeah. So, there you go. Little trivia for Just you. Just in point, I was not old enough to remember that. Just before... Neither were <laughs> no. any of us. No, none of us that. were. No, no. None of us were. Thank you very much for that. And that brings us to our community question. What part of the Rise event are you looking forward to? And which of the goodies are you most looking forward to getting? Well, as always, with a new summer event comes a new summer event ship. This year, players have the opportunity to earn themselves a shiny new space trout. It's very in keeping with last summer's space crab and the winter event's space lobster. But seriously, this year's ship is the tier 6 Vorgon Xiphius Heavy Escort. Now, we've never seen a Vorgon ship before, so visually this is a real treat. I wasn't kidding about it looking a little like a trout though. It's kind of sleek and shiny with a beautiful patina and cool looking glowing thingies, which by the way is the official name, glowing thingies. But also it's totally a badass killing machine or something. Anyway, this is a heavy escort, so it's gonna be focused on firepower and compared to a standard escort, it's tougher, but slightly harder to move. It's got a nice 4-4 and 3-aft weapons configuration and the bridge officer seating is heavy on the tactical and also includes a Lieutenant Commander Universal slash Intel seat. The Xiphias comes with the Harasser Probes Universal console, which deploys Harasser Probes to attack nearby targets. Interestingly, this console can be equipped on quote, any Vorgon starship, end quote, so we'll probably be seeing others in the near future. Flying this starship can also earn you the mastery trait Harasser Mines, which adds Chroniton mines to the targets of either cannon scatter volley or beam fire at will. The icing on the cake is that it also comes with a pretty new bridge. As per usual, to earn this ship, you'll need to collect a thousand of this year's Lolanot prize vouchers. That's 25 dailies of 40 vouchers each. And that's between now and the end of the event. Once you've unlocked it on one character, your other characters can unlock the ship for a one-time price of just 40 vouchers. While we're talking about vouchers, by the way, I want to skip ahead and touch on something from this week's holodeck patch notes regarding old event currencies. Bundles of old currencies have been added to the low buy store, which should enable you to complete old projects that you might have left over from previous years. Now, this is an expensive way to do it, but at least you don't just have to ditch them. Question. Does the ship come equipped with really horrible poetry? And a towel. And a towel. I hope so. We can only wait and see. Anyway, looking a little further forward, it's finally been officially announced that the third Star Trek Online expansion, Agents of Yesterday, you know, that little old thing, will be released on Wednesday, July 6th. And along with the official launch announcement, we've also had details about a new story mission, which follows on from the one we talked about last week, The Core of the Matter. This new one is cheekily titled Vorgon Conclusions. I like that. I see what they did there. I like that. Yeah. And it will tell the origin story of Caldano and the Tox Utat as you chase the Vorgons in their pursuit of it. This story mission will be available to all captains, but unlike the core of the matter, which unlocks at level 19, you'll need to be level 30 before you can play Vorgon Conclusions. Interestingly, the official blog refers to this mission as the second in the Yesterday's War story arc, so it appears as though we might have seen the end of Future Proof. Interesting. Hmm. wonder where we're going then. Back to the future. I'm going to think, yeah, something into Yesterday, mm -hmm. like maybe a war. Yeah. Okay, then. Didn't read yeah. that far, didn't it? That's really insightful. Thank you. <laughs> 
Again this week, in an effort to bring you some of the news and comments from PW and Cryptic that aren't officially announced in the blogs, here's the latest comments pulled from the Twitterverse. Al Rivera at Captain Gecko tweeted, FX review meeting today with Michael Panov, Chris Matz, Phil Zaleski, at Bordicus Cryptic, and at Maria Rosso. It's a picture. They uh, suitably cryptic. Ba-dum, ba-dum. You know, you can't see me winking there. I was winking, but yeah, you can't really see anything. But really interesting to uh, see a little behind the scenes look of what's going on over there. Al also tweeted, hanging with Michelle Specht, Vic Mignogna, at Tumor Boy, and Greg Dijkstra at Cryptic after a double VO session. Yeah, so the VOs are coming thick and fast at the moment, yeah. but um, I guess they're they're finalising all of that stuff for Agents of Yesterday, aren't they? Which we now have a date for. Yeah, clock yes, is uh, ticking away. Not that far. Yeah, July the 6th, if you didn't know. Yeah, but go and check out at Captain Gecko. He's got a couple pictures up there, actually, from some of the voiceovers that they've done. And I'm trying to think if anybody else has put, posted up pictures as well. If you go on to, I know Michelle Specht and Vic Mignogna have also posted pictures on their respective Twitters as well. So go and check them out. It's very exciting and cool. At Laughing Trendy also posted on Twitter that I just discovered one of my co-workers doesn't know what the term Jamaharon means. Time to tease the hell out of him. I'm really glad that she said that she was going to tease him and not... Yeah. Maybe Inform. teach him what it meant. That could have been awkward. Ooh, yeah, not in the workplace. Mm. Yeah. And lastly, before we wrap up Star Trek Online news, here are some upcoming events to look forward to. In addition to the summer event on Riser, we can also look forward to a bonus Marks weekend starting the 16th of June. And sneaking up at the end of June, on the calendar it's called Feature Series. But what we're looking at is probably a featured episode replay event. As of recording this episode, we haven't had an official announcement, but... If that's what it is, get ready to get in there and earn some old favourites. I've got my eye on the shard of possibilities. If and when we get more details, we'll be sure to let you know. As always, events are subject to change without notice. Make sure you check the in-game calendar or listen in here at Priority One Podcast for the latest news and updates from Star Trek Online. And now, let's check in with Jake on the promenade. Hey, welcome back. I'm Jake Cobb, and this is The Promenade. In the northern hemisphere of planet Earth, the weather is getting warmer, school is letting out, it's almost summer. But hanging out at the pool, beach, or barbecue doesn't mean you have to leave Star Trek at home. So this month, we'll have a look at some great, useful, and fun Trek products. Set a course for belly flops. I mean, let's get to it. You can't talk summer without first talking women's bathing suits. So, lucky for us, ThinkGeek.com has TNG-inspired swimwear. This tasteful attire... Wait a second, Jake. Hey, it's Cookie Cupcakes. Hey, you're doing great so far. So I hate to tell you, but you're not really qualified to review this product. Unless you plan on wearing it. Well, do you? Well, uh... No, ma'am. Then, if you'll excuse me... So for several years, I've wanted a Star Trek Next Generation swimsuit. I've even thought about making one myself out of desperation, but never attempted it, as swimming suits are pretty difficult to make with all the stretchiness and whatnot. So of course I jumped at the opportunity to get the swimsuit. I pretty much bought it the day it came out, which is really good because they're out of a lot of sizes now. It comes in sizes small through 2X. Now a word of warning. There is currently a huge sizing issue with it as they are giving the sizes of the unstretched fabric as a reference, which you can't really base anything on, so order at your own risk until they fix the sizing key. It was a bit pricey for a swimsuit, it was $59.99, but since I've wanted one for so long I really didn't think twice. Now normally I would have chosen the science blue, which is the color I usually prefer, but the shade of blue wasn't really true to the color that was used in the series. It wasn't really my idea of a science blue, which in my opinion should look more teal. So I decided to go with the red, which is a nice deep maroon color. The Operations Gold shade was pretty spot on as well. This swimsuit is a very elegant and slightly sporty looking one piece with the same general design as a standard Starfleet Next Generation uniform top. The fabric has a nice sheen to it, And because of that, when you're up close, the black almost looks like a deep, dark metallic gray, especially when it's wet. It really looks sleek, and the fabric also feels really smooth. It has an embroidered com badge and pips. Red and gold are captain level, 
and blue is commander. The front of it's completely lined, so there's two layers! I really liked this feature and I think this is one of the only swimsuits I have like this. The inner lining feels like a soft hug while the outer layer doesn't cling, so you don't have to do a lot of pulling and tugging to straighten anything out when exiting the water. Now I haven't tried this swimsuit out on the shores of Ryza, so I don't know if it's waveproof, but it does feel pretty secure. There's a strap in the back, right above the shoulder blades, that goes across horizontally and connects the two vertical shoulder straps. And in the description, it says that this strap has two adjustment options for a custom fit. But the space between the two options is like a centimeter, so it makes very little difference where you hook it. I did notice that there wasn't a lot of support or very much fabric on the sides of the bust. This will definitely be an issue for people that have a larger sized bust. That part did not feel as secure to me, and sometimes the bust cups were even slightly visible or sticking out of the sides and had to be adjusted. Speaking of bust cups, I have to point out how awesome they are! First of all, they don't absorb or hold a lot of water. You don't have to wring them out, so to speak. Plus, they're not only soft and comfortable, but more importantly, they're sturdy. Not even the most advanced tricorders are going to be able to detect whether or not you're cold. But of course, they are removable if you're going for the Farrah Fawcett look. When all is said and done, I'm really glad I got this swimsuit. I feel like it actually was worth the price. It's really good quality, and it'll probably last a really long time. And it's a Star Trek swimsuit! And because of that, it felt amazing to wear. That's exactly what I was gonna say. Uh-huh. Great review, Cookie. Yeah. Thanks for stopping by. Now, where was I? MJ Cobb, Promenade, Summer, Baby. Okay, got it. Next up... Hey, it's Kenna! Hey, Kenna! Oh, hey, Cookie! Hey, Jack! It's, uh, Jake. I was just about to tell the audience oh, about... Oh, I love that dress, Kenna! Oh, thanks! I just got it! Do tell. Of course. Ugh. I'll be at Quark's. Well, as most of you know, I am a huge Next Generation fan, so when I saw this beautiful maxi dress, I knew I had to have it. It's an intricately reproduced replica of the Enterprise D painting that hangs in Captain Picard's ready room, but on a dress. The dress itself is a scoop neck with cap sleeves made from cotton and spandex. It's black, but the front is screen printed with a star field and an image of the Enterprise D, as if it had been faithfully rendered in oil paints by a master artist. I can't go on enough about how comfortable this dress is, it's just like wearing a floor-length t-shirt. And it has pockets as well. And since it's made mostly from cotton, it will keep you nice and cool on those hot summer days. This dress comes in sizes small to 3XL, but I would definitely go from your measurements and not your normal size. I went one size up from normal and it fits perfectly. I would also mention that this maxi dress is seriously maxi. For me, it skims the floor when I wear flats. Probably the best part of this dress is that it's super classy and most people won't even notice that it's Star Trek themed unless you point it out. I even wear it to work. Normal retail price is $49.99 US, but if you're quick, it's on sale now for just $38.99. For our international listeners, ThinkGeek.com do offer an international shipping option, but be warned that it will cost you. I paid $12.95 to get it shipped to the UK, and you might be subject to customs charges like I was. So, there you have it. Sometimes your review segment gets hijacked by women talking Star Trek products. Links to the items discussed can be found in the show notes, so please be sure to check them out. Have any comments about the segment or anything discussed herein? We'd love to hear them. So let us know what you think on Twitter, Facebook, or in the comments section. Remember, you keep an eye on the stars, we'll keep an eye on the market. Oh, that's my line. <laughs> Until next time. Now let's open hailing frequencies and see what's happening. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See? We are getting to know each other. Well, Captains, we're at the part of the show where we open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Here's a reminder of last week's community question. Is there a risk that being too pure to the Prime Universe or the TV Trek we know and love could damage the series' success on mass market television? Okay, so we got so many responses to this question, which is brilliant. That was helped. Uh, Roddenberry actually retweeted us on Twitter. That was cool. Who, who retweeted um, us? Roddenberry.com. Oh, wow. Okay. And they said, interesting. And it is. It's an interesting question. So we, we did actually have quite a lot of discussions going on uh, Facebook and Twitter. Uh, so uh, we'll just pick out a few of the best, most uh, 
thought-provoking comments, perhaps. Dan Moritz commented on Facebook, What is too pure? Stay in the boundaries and then mess them up all you want, but stay in the boundaries. The fans are here to retcon your mistakes. Which is an interesting concept. But what are the boundaries? I think is the, is the question, is the follow-up question. I mean, for me... Uh, you know, so there, if it's the Prime Universe, then then when it comes to Treknobabble and established history, then you know that sh- they should stick to that, right? So uh, Kirk never married, you know, for instance, and in, in Canon. So if all of a sudden Kirk's married or with kids, then I don't know. That'd be weird. I don't know. That's that's a that's a a bad example. But I think that in in the way in which the story is told in which the the flow of the story and the forward momentum of plot I don't think that the the typical formula the bottle show uh, is gonna work right and and TNG TNG wasn't always a bottle show you know and and, and s- stories were told over various episodes especially character stories but it's still you can kind of like watch an episode of TNG, like pick a random one, and it, it kind of maintains itself. Not so much as the original series, but still, but still quite a bit. Also, just you know the the, the sheer amount of of telling and not showing that happened in the original series. I'm sorry, not yeah, not just the original series, but TNG. Just because of budgeting issues, uh, probably won't fly. You know, like if, if you can't talk about this really happened in Deep Space Nine. This was a big problem with Deep Space Nine, in my opinion, was that they spoke about the damages of the Dominion War. We never really saw it, except for a few episodes. So that I don't think that that kind of storytelling is going to fly in this new generation, right, in 2016. Yeah, yeah. I mean, stylistically, they might choose to do a little bit of that, but I think um, these days, you know, computer graphics and special effects are so prevalent, and even even in relatively low-budget TV series, that they won't get away with that kind of cutting corners. Yeah, they'll have to do with it. They'll have to do it, sorry. But Dan does raise a good question. What what exactly are the boundaries? Because in the Prime Universe, I mean, we're talking boundaries all over the place. You're like in a labyrinth, right? <laughs> because if you if you turn down this road, you're gonna run right into the Dominion War, and if you but if you go straight ahead, you're gonna run into Wolf Three Five Nine, and if you turn left, you're gonna end up, you know, with Praxis blowing up or something. So it's it's a it's a minefield. So yeah, what are the boundaries? That's 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 tricky. Actually, you know, you brought you brought up a good um, possible story direction. I would I wouldn't mind seeing a show of about Makos on the ground during the Dominion War. You know, like like a much like a Halo forward on onto Dawn, uh, which is on Netflix. It's a short film. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing that type of story being told. You know, about about you know new recruits fresh out of, of Starfleet Academy. You know, the, the Makos, and all of a sudden Jemadar are. are Invading and they have to fight. You know, it's uh, something like that. I wouldn't mind seeing. Uh, let's not go into this because I have a feeling that my desires for a new Trek series are very different from yours. Okay, okay. <laughs> so we'll save that for another special episode. <laughs> so Green Dragoon tweeted us. I think you're seriously overthinking it, and the show's success will have far more to do with whether it's a quote good unquote show. I mean, if the show is good, does it matter what universe it's in? I don't think, but I don't think it's about the universe we're talking about. I just think it's about the 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 writing staff, right? It, it's a lot of Trek purists. It's a lot of original Trek, you know. And and could that potentially skew it to be what we have grown to be accustomed to, and not what new Trekkies are expecting after having been introduced to Trek via JJ? Well, I mean, I think he makes a, a, a good point, though. Um, a good writer will be able to make it work. A good writer will pay homage to. Uh, the existing canon, and will also make it new and fresh. Yeah, but I'm not saying I'm not saying anything about the canon, though. I'm just talking about the 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 storytelling, right? Oh, I see what you mean. Yep. We can't just be sitting around in the ready room talking, 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 talking the whole episode, right? We we need we need some excitement. Now, I'm not saying explosions, but there needs to be some angst. You know, there was very seldom angst in in TNG or or uh, Deep Space Nine or Voyager episodes. I mean, sometimes there was, but there was very little angst. Everything was just kind of sit around and talk. 
I see what you mean. It was much more sort of calm and uh, sort of a relaxed pace where now you look at the the big shows that I think are doing really well. There is it's a lot it's a lot of tension, emotional sort of visceral tension all the time. Um, I, I kind of see what you mean. So I have to agree wholeheartedly with Green Dragoon to say if it's a good show by modern television standards, then it, it won't matter whether it's what style it is. I, I'm not enough of a TV expert to know whether the style of a good show has to be like Game of Thrones or whether it can be more relaxed and still end up being good. I don't know. So the Firkins tweeted us, if you go the JJ slash Orsi route, then you risk alienating the fan base that helped get Trek to where it is today. Um, and this is more talking about which universe it's set in. Um, and I, I also agree with this <laughs> comment that you do risk alienating people who really hate the JJ verse. Yeah, 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 you do. And so it can't be, that's what I'm saying. It can't be explosions. It can't be, you know, action every episode. I think Battlestar Galactica is, is a really good example of that where, you know, not, not every episode was shoot 'em up Cylons, you know, you didn't see a, 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 a chrome head in every episode, but there was the, the, the plot was, was a bit tense and you invested in the characters and you struggled with them. Um, it doesn't have to be brooding either. I mean, you know, you, you look at a show like Breaking Bad, uh, that, wasn't a, that wasn't a broody show, but, but the, there was, you invested in the characters and, and, and in, the sto- in the way the story was told and the storytelling. Captain Revo tweeted, no, the general public won't care about timelines like Uber fans as long as they don't make it too complicated to understand. No, I mean, again, it's, uh, I, I don't know, maybe I, maybe I didn't, I, I may not have ex- what explained what I meant. Because um, it's not, it's not about the canon, it's not about the universe, it's about how the story is told. In an engaging yeah, the style. way. Right. Yeah, the feel, the feel of the show. Because 90s Trek is not going to cut it in 2016. It's just not. I mean, you look at shows like, you know, Marvel, Daredevil, um, Jessica Jones, you know, these shows, they keep an audience engaged. And sitting around the table in a ready room is just not going to cut it. Not anymore, at least. True. But you would hope that the people that they are hiring have enough experience in the writing staff to understand the nuance between, you know, the difference between a show that worked in the 90s and a show that is working in the 2010s. And for our second community question, do you think that Star Trek Online is a collection of minority player bases? And what do you think Cryptic could do to foster more diversity in-game? Varzek posted on PriorityOnePodcast.com, As a role player, I do feel that we are a minority. However, I disagree that there's nothing the developers can do about it. I would direct you guys back to the GPL store at the bartenders in Quarks. However, this has not been updated since the beginning of the game. Which is pretty much my point, actually, is that there's, there's minority player bases. Have, there is stuff there, but you're kind of left to your own devices. It's, there's no focus on it actively. Mike also posted in PriorityOnePodcast.com, I like to think of myself as a mainstream gamer, but then you mentioned ground combat, which I actually enjoy more than space combat. This certainly places me in a minority. I like the idea of a special ground combat event for you and your boss to complete in order to earn the reward. Yeah, I'd uh, I'd really like to see them do um, a three-week event like the Crystalline Entity um, or Mirror Universe event, and it's a ground mission. It's just you know, it's not always space. I'd Have really they ever like done to see that? It. No, there's never been a three-week event for ground. I just, oh. I just find that surprising that they haven't done that. Mind you. These three-week events, um, they're more frequent more recently, aren't they? Yeah. Than they used to be. But we so, are in um, the great content trout of 2016. Oh, yes. <laughs> not for long, though. No, not for long, thankfully. No, not for long. Lieutenant Dan also posted on PriorityOnePodcast.com, and he says, Yes, I feel like STO is made up of minority player bases, min-maxers, casual players, PvP, PvE, etc., there are some people who are hardcore in one category and ignore the rest of the game. 
To fix it, Cryptic may need to make all aspects of the game equally rewarding, i.e. reputation fleet marks for completing story missions, account reclaimable event items, or even just a way to skip story missions already played by an alt. Now, see, I think that his last suggestion is actually really interesting, skipping story missions if you've already played them with somebody else, but you can skip most missions, can't you, already? Yeah, you Unless can it's the start of a new arc. Yeah. Yeah, you have to play the first mission in every arc, for the most part. Uh, yeah. But that's usually just go here, talk to NPC, mission done. Yeah, um, exactly. But all so the you, rest you, of them you can skip if you are the appropriate level. Right, okay. So it, you, could, you could get around that a little bit. Um, if you were somebody who really didn't care about story content, you could pretty much get around it by doing other things. Oh yeah, so I've, I've leveled up characters by just doing DOF missions. Yeah. I leveled them up I, to level 10 or 11, whatever it is, and uh, mm -hmm. brought them for all the rest of the way by just doing DOF missions. Yeah, so you kind of can get around it, but... Yeah. Yeah, but still, we, we are still forced, in a way, to do those story missions for some of the free gear... Um, and all of the featured episodes are basically story missions, etc., etc. So, yeah, we're still sort of forced to homogenise, but I don't know. And David S., who also posted on our website, there certainly are minority player bases, but I'm not sure SEO is a collection of them. The majority of players are probably just in the game to enjoy the content, where the minority would be the PvP players and DPS players. Yeah, it's a good point, and obviously we don't have enough of the metrics. Everybody loves the metrics. We don't have enough of that to know, but you know, it's entirely possible that actually STO is a majority of people who are just there to hang out and have a bit of immersion and play story content, uh, and then actually some of the the fringes. It's where it's more really just fringes of small communities that do the very specific things and maybe that is how it is. It's hard to say. It's hard to say. Certainly those minorities are can be very vocal. <laughs> <laughs> oh um, yeah. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, there's, there's not really any way for us to know uh, whether it's it's actually that people, natural tendencies are, are there for those uh, storyline and that sort of content or whether that's because we're forced to do it. It's, it's hard to say without actually seeing what's going on behind the scenes, but it's a good point. Well made. Well, that wraps it up for episode 274 of Priority One Podcast. But before we go, here's a reminder of this week's community questions. What character from the current Star Trek films could they not make the next film without? And from our Star Trek Online news segment, which part of the Ryza event are you looking forward to the most? Mon Capitans, you know we love hearing from you. Leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com, on our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast, or tweet us via at PriorityOnePod. You can even leave us a voicemail via SpeakPipe. Just click on the widget on our homepage. Don't miss a thing from the world of Star Trek. Catch our episodes every Monday morning by pointing your favorite podcast app to feeds.priorityonepodcast.com. And if you're listening to us via iTunes or Google Play, please leave us a review. And more importantly, help spread the word about the show. Invite your fellow Trekkies. It's your support that keeps us going. Don't forget to tune into Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency podcast at guardfrequency.com, covering the world of space sims including Star Citizen, Elite Dangerous, Descent Underground, and many, many more. If you like this show, then listening to Guard Frequency is a logical choice. Thanks to our graphic artists, Romulan Ale and Jason Smith. And if you enjoy our comics, the creator of our comic series, Jonathan Towery, can be commissioned at johntowery.com. Thanks to all our bloggers and their managing editor, Al. To our writer and social media manager, Jake Morgan. To our video editor, Jerry Tillman. And to consultant Midnight Shadow 7 of Hollow Sweet Media for supporting this show. Thanks to our audio team led by Michael McDonald, with assistance from Brandon Parker, Jake Morgan, Esmaria DePost, and Gavin Lawarn. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. Most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners, because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Shields up. Ready weapons. Engage.
Transfer complete. Greetings, Captains. You're listening to episode 273 of Priority One Podcast. Ooh, at, Your week. At 74. 74. <laughs> Well, this week we trek out the casting issue that might have been Star Trek crossovers into cro- cro- crosses o- cross Who wrote that? Crosses over. Oh, You're not speaking English very good. No, señora. No. <laughs> well, this week ah, <coughs> I sound like a, what? What's going on with my voice? Listen to me. Ah. <laughs> <clears throat> yes, last night I was going through puberty. It was really embarrassing. Later, we visit the promenade where Jake promises to model the new... <clears throat> Sorry. Let me clear my throat. <laughs> oh, it keeps sneaking up on me. It's the pollen. It's the evil pollen. And the latest addition to the writing staff on the new Star Trek small screen... And, and we're on air. Clearly, I didn't read this. Did you not shower before coming to this podcast? Is that what I, I, I didn't shower. It's early. Also, I fell asleep on my bed when I was supposed to be putting my children to bed. Oh. <laughs> and I put them to bed about 20 minutes ago. <laughs> so, oh, oops. <laughs> so they're late. They're, they, were, they, they took advantage and they were like jumping up and down the house. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they didn't say a word. Hmm. <laughs> 8.45. I'm like, what are you still doing awake? <laughs> And if you're feeling, what word do I want to use? It's if you're feeling risky, if you're feeling risque, if you're feeling risque. Uh, yeah, why not? If you're I don't feeling... want people. Are you, are you talking about the voicemail service? Because yeah. I don't want people leaving us risque voicemails. All we right. do not you're want right. to invite right. that kind and of if attention. You're, if you're feeling adventurous, <laughs> frisky. If you're feeling frisky, okay. <laughs> and if you're feeling frisky, we've got a free voicemail. Okay. And if you're feeling ri- risky, <laughs> if you're feeling risky, <laughs> send us a risky voicemail. Perhaps one of my favorite portrayals from the new Star Trek movies was Carl Urban's portrayal of Doctor Leonard Boynes. Boynes, <laughs> really, really, God, oh man, Boynes McCoy. This is not going <laughs> to be a good show. <laughs> Boynes, get down here. <laughs> I was already thinking McCoy, and so McCoy. <laughs> what ended up happening was Boynes. Loinard Boynes McCoy. <laughs> oh, I love that Loinard McCoy. He's oh, great. Oh, man. Boynes. This is Kenna. Stone News, finally. Sync one. This is Mark. SEO News. That red button had a lot of friction. Sync two. <laughs> this is Winter's gone through puberty. <laughs> Sync three. <laughs> <laughs> Stone News in three, two. Caracal. Similar to Jellicle, like Jellicle cats off of cats. So Jellicle, Caracal. Crickets. There you go. Crickets. Show tunes, crickets. you know. I know, but. I thought that might help you. No. Cats is a horrible, horrible okay. musical. What? Yes. It's the sorry, Caracal. Anyway, yes. because that'll go off into a whole other rant. That would sorry when after the whole <laughs> Winters, I can hear Winters rolling his eyes yes. right now. <laughs> God, Winters is making ed- editing notes for the <laughs> from two minutes thirty-two to, to five fifteen minutes. minutes twenty-five. Just cut it off. Cut all that shit out. <laughs> in fact just mute kenna's track <laughs> just do it go on i'm sorry i'll shut up as always with a new summer event comes a new summer event ship why did i do it like that summer event ship. <laughs> pa. Ship. Pa, pa, pa. but seriously this year's ship and stop <laughs> editing i can see you doing i can see I like, it don't laugh out loud don't laugh out loud Yikes! Oh, but you could hear the <laughs> smile coming in her face when she was saying that last line. Oh so rude! So oh. rude! Looking a little further forward, it's finally been announced that the third Star Trek Online expansion, redoing that line, 
Expansion, my priest, and your little dog, too. <clears throat> Looking a little farther forward, it's finally. Honestly, that's the word that needs beeped out. I remember being told off from that last week. <laughs> that's fine. They didn't actually bleep it last time. Oh. <laughs> so clearly nobody took offense. Okay, so at laughing twenty. 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 <laughs> at oh. laughing twenty. Twenty. Well, well, at laughing twenty. Well, well, well. Oh, we meet again, we love you, laughing twenty. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> at laughing trendy. Also, pl- there. <laughs> Hold on one second. Oh, spray. I'm out of air already. <laughs> I'm out of air. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> I'm in a room that's really hot. Okay. Oh, it's, yeah. it's a really hot room. It's like has no. I should take off some clothes or something. <laughs> Put the bathing suit on. I should. Oh, it's an awesome bathing suit. Okay. What was I saying? Oh, sorry. One more line. I couldn't make it. I ran out of breath again. <laughs> I haven't done this since like it. It's hasn't been too long, but I've already gotten out of practice of when to breathe. Hey, it's Kenna. Hey, Kenna. Oh, hey, Cookie. Hi, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> this is Kenna the Promenade, and I don't want to miss it. They say I've got Aerosmith on the brain at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> it was loving an elevator a second ago. <laughs> Sorry. I just can't stop picturing. Sorry, on, okay. Sorry. Cool. I, she's gonna die now. I'm gonna lose her. I'm losing her. I'm losing her. Um, don't. It's because I, I. It's because we haven't had enough bloopers yet. I'm making up bloopers now. Uh, quick, think of something funny to say. <laughs> don't miss a thing from the world of start. <laughs> what? You literally went, don't miss a thing. I think, Elijah, I think that's just how I talk. No, no, because it's, it's, you don't do it all the time. It's only like when you get, it's when you get excited. <laughs> yeah, so it's what happens to when I get excited. <sighs> don't miss a thing from the world of Star Trek. Catch our episodes so every better. Monday morning by pointing your favorite oh, boy, podcast up to feed the... Party one podcast. Mm. Don't know. Actually, legitimately mm. I fake yawn, but then it turned into a real yawn. <laughs> okay. Don't forget to tune into Priority One Productions. Boots, cats, boots, cats. <laughs>